You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, moving over from Score Zag Score and taking over here at Locked On. First, I want to thank you all for making this podcast your first listen of the day. Whether you are a new listener to the show, new to my content, or coming over from my previous show, a reminder to please follow and subscribe to this podcast wherever you already get podcasts, and to look out for an upcoming YouTube channel, which will start in the next few weeks. For those of you who are more visual or just want to see what kind of setup I have in my quote-unquote podcast studio. All right, today's episode is the 12th in our extensive player preview series, taking a brief but thorough look at every player on Gonzaga's roster, detailing their basketball history, a look at the best and worst case scenarios for them in 2021-2022, and finally a closer look at their expected role and production this season. These episodes will and have aired multiple times per week, right up until Gonzaga's exhibition opener against Eastern Oregon on Halloween. Y'all, that is four days away, depending on when you are listening to this. We are so close to having live Gonzaga basketball. This is the second to last in this player preview series. If you missed any of the previous 11 installments, check back in your feed. Make sure you catch every single one of them so you are fully equipped and primed and ready for the Gonzaga basketball season. Today's episode is going to focus on the newest player on the roster, freshman guard Nolan Hickman. So let's get right into it. Hickman is a four-star point guard from Mount Pleasant, Utah, but that is a bit misleading. That is where he played his senior season of high school basketball. He is actually from Sammamish, Sammamish, Washington. He played at Eastside Catholic High School. He ended up going over to Utah and playing his final season there because of COVID-19, because they still had a season, whereas obviously in Washington and Oregon, that season was shut down. That was part of the reason Ben Gregg was able to play early for Gonzaga and part of the reason that a player like Nolan Hickman and many other players ended up transferring for their final year of high school basketball. Hickman initially committed to Kentucky. He decommitted on April 30th, 2021. And I know that there is a segment of the population of the fan base who gets a little weary at players who decommit or players who've transferred multiple times, like worried they may not, I guess, want to stay at this school. And, and A, I don't think there's much precedence for that. Gonzaga has brought in players who've been at multiple schools or who decommitted before, and it's largely gone very well. Eric McClellan's a primary example of that. Certainly they have brought in players who who had transferred multiple times already and ended up, it didn't work out very well, Angel Nunez, Gerard Coleman, whatever. But Gonzaga's mentality, their, their buy-in, the way that they recruit, this just isn't really something that becomes much of an issue with them. And when talking specifically about Hickman, he made it very clear why he, why he decommitted. Tony Barbie, who was the lead recruiter at Kentucky, who recruited Hickman, he took a job as the head coach at Central Michigan, incidentally a team that Gonzaga will play on, I believe, November 22nd, the day before they play UCLA in Las Vegas. But once Barbie left, Hickman didn't feel as much of an attachment to Kentucky, so he reopened his commitment, ended up committing to Gonzaga just 16 days later. It seemed 
pretty clear that that's where he was going to go. He started getting a lot of attention as a potential Gonzaga player right after he decommitted from Kentucky. He made it official not very long after that, became the last player in this really, really strong recruiting class. Hickman was 32nd in the class, according to 24-7 Sports. Other places had him even higher than that. Joins a class that obviously already had Chet Holmgren, Hunter Salas, and Caden Perry, and Ben Gregg as well. A ridiculously loaded recruiting class. Hickman is the the one that's the least talked about because he was the last one to join. Caden Perry's been known to be coming to Gonzaga for years at this point. Chet Holmgren didn't commit that much before Hickman did, but obviously he was talked about as a Gonzaga priority recruit for a really long time. So Hickman just hasn't been in the stratosphere. He hasn't been in the the conversation uh, as a Zag for nearly as long, but he's going to be really, really good. A little bit about him before we talk about what his role could look like this season. He's a six foot two true point guard. He's got plus length, plus athleticism. Uh, He probably at this point might already have the best handles on the team. It's between him and Nembhard. He's a phenomenal ball handler. And he really fits as a true point guard. I think that's a key thing here because a lot of the other guards on this roster outside of Nempard are more off guards. I think Dominic Harris can and will be a point guard in time, but right now he's more of a combo guard. Rasir Bolton, not a point guard. He's a combo guard. Hunter Salas, I talked about it in his episode. He, I think, is capable of being a point guard, but it's not his strength yet. His strength right now is being just an absolute playmaker off the ball. So for the Zags, Hickman is one of two true point guards on the roster. He's a shot creator, which is always a good thing to have in a point guard. He's not just a facilitator, a passer, a guy who runs the offense. He can also create his own shot. He's also a very good three-point shooter. I think that's going to be one of the most significant things he brings to this team. And by all accounts, he's a player who's going to be really hard-nosed on defense and going to play well on both sides of the ball. So I want to talk about what his role is going to look like. We'll get more into that in the third segment. But in the second segment, we're going to discuss the best case scenarios, which for Hickman are really, really high. And those worst case scenarios for what his freshman season could look like in Spokane. Before we get there, though, let's talk about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this app, and I know that you will, too. Prize picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offer all the star players from not only the Power 5 schools, but your favorite mid-major players as well, which I know is going to perk the ears up of those Gonzaga fans out there. New users that deposit and use the promo code LOCKEDON will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. PricePix allows mixed sport entries, so you can take the over on Chet Holmgren combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out pricepicks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your app store and download the app today. PricePix is daily fantasy made easy. All right. In the first segment, we talked all about Nolan Hickman, the decommit from Kentucky, the player from Sammamish, Washington, who played his final season of high school ball in Utah. We talked about who he is, how he ended up in a Gonzaga uniform. Now here in the second segment, we're going to talk best case and worst case scenarios. I'm going to toss this caveat out, even though we are on the 12th out of 13 of these player previews. So hopefully many of you have listened to some of the other ones. If you have not, check back in your feed. They're all sitting in there waiting for you. This is best case within reason, worst case without injury. 
For every player in college basketball, the best case scenario is they are the national player of the year. They win finals MVP. They are the first overall pick in the NBA draft. For some players, for many players, for most players, if we're being honest, those are not realistic outcomes. We're not going to discuss unrealistic outcomes for these players. If they exceed my best case scenarios, it means that I did not set them high enough. That may happen with some players on this roster, in which case I am happy to be wrong. But it is, we are not going to talk about them winning a national player of the year for every single player on this roster. For more than one, we discussed it, which is a testament to how good this team is. And then worst case, we're not going to talk about them getting hurt and missing the year. That is obviously the worst case scenario. It's not good analysis. It's not helping you learn more about the team and the players on it. Obviously, any player could get hurt anytime. So there's no real reason to discuss that. We're going to talk about the worst case scenarios on the basketball court and the best case scenarios within what I have deemed the reasonable <laughs> uh, amount of scenarios that could come that could happen. All right. So talking about Nolan Hickman, the best case scenario for Hickman is that he seriously pushes Andrew Nembhard for minutes as a true point guard. I, the absolute best case scenario is that he starts over Nembhard. I would be somewhat surprised if that happened, not because I don't think that Nolan Hickman is very good, but because I also think Andrew Nembhard is very good and how good Hickman would have to play to definitively jump him on the depth chart to start over him is it's a really tall order to ask him to do that, especially as a true freshman. But I do think in a best case scenario, he really pushes him for minutes. I'm very curious to see how willing Mark Few and Gonzaga is to play two point guards at the same time. They have so many guards. They're going to play a lot of three-guard lineups. I've talked about this in basically every episode that has come out of this show since I started on October 5th, and they're going to play a lot of three-guard lineups. You're going to see Bolton at the three. You're going to see Salas at the three. You, you know, Julian Strother is probably a three, but you might see him at the four potentially in some certain lineups. But I'm curious how much of that is going to be Nembhard and Hickman sharing the floor because both of them are distributors, facilitators, guys who run the offense. Now, in a best-case scenario for Hickman, they do play together a lot because that means that he's earning a lot of minutes. I think best-case scenario for him is like 25 to 30 minutes per night, which would create a significant logjam because Andrew Nembhard's going to play 30 minutes per night. Hunter Salas and Mr. Bolton are both going to play at least, at the very minimum, 20 minutes per night, probably more than that. So there's just there's too many minutes to go around. And the best-case scenario for Hickman is he secures a huge chunk of that of those minutes per game, playing both in place of Andrew Nembhard, basically every minute Nembhard's not on the floor, Hickman is playing, and also playing a good chunk of minutes alongside him as well. The ways that he does that, the way that he reaches these best-case scenarios in those minutes per game, is by being Gonzaga's best three-point shooter. Plain and simple. This team needs shooters. Chet Holmgren's going to shoot threes, and he's probably going to make some threes. And his ability to do that is going to significantly challenge the opposing defense in, in ways that Gonzaga has barely dealt with before. Kyle Wilshire was a good three-point shooter, and Killian Tilly was a good three-point shooter. I don't think either of those guys had the offensive bag down low that Chet Holmgren has, and obviously having Drew Timmy on the team as well just makes it such a unique challenge. But the rest of the guards don't have a lot of great three-point shooting in them. Dominic Harris is the next best shooter and perhaps the best shooter, but he's not going to play until sometime in December or January, depending on his health. We'll talk about him in the final episode of this series. Julian Strother, going to be a good three-point shooter as well. Doesn't really play guard, but he's, he's a wing, so it kind of counts. But if Hickman can come out and just light it up, be a 40-plus percent three-point shooter. Approach 45% from three. That is peak. That is absolute best-case scenario. A true freshman point guard 
shooting 44, 45% from three is a nightmare for opposing teams. It makes them basically one of the things that it does is it eliminates the zone defense. Maybe not eliminates, but drastically reduces the effectiveness that opposing teams can play a zone defense against this team. Chet's already going to do that. Chet already makes it really hard to play a zone if he's on the floor. But I could see situations where when Chet's resting, opposing teams try to pack into two, three zones to neutralize Drew Timmy's effectiveness. And if Gonzaga's guards, if, you know, Bolton and Nembhard aren't shooting well from outside, which is a very realistic situation this team could find themselves in, teams are going to pack in that zone and it could be effective. Way to neutralize that, bring Nolan Hickman in. He just starts bombing threes. If Dominic Harris is healthy, you have those two guys playing the guard spots, boom, problem solved. <laughs> a lineup with Hickman, Harris, Strother, Chet, and Drew. Like, you can't play a zone against that. Even if you take Chet out of that lineup, you still can't really play a zone against that. Those guys are just going to shoot it super well. So Hickman has a role in that regard. His ability to shoot consistently from the outside and make his threes is going to earn him playing time. It's the biggest thing in my mind that's going to earn him playing time. Beyond that, he proves that he can score at all three levels in a best-case scenario. He's a good finisher around the rim. He has a mid-range game. He can get to the free-throw line effectively. Like, we... We have high school tape on him. We have scouting reports on him. We haven't seen a lot of this from him. We just don't know how capable he's going to be at the collegiate level at this stuff. All accounts indicate that he's going to be pretty darn good at it. The dude can really score. You don't get to be a top 30 prospect in your class, a four-star guard, a guy who most people think is going to play in the NBA someday. You don't get to do that unless you prove you can score around the rim and score in the mid-range game. So I believe he's going to do that. But in the best-case scenario, he looks like a, a true scorer at all three levels right out of the shoots. And then, of course, in the best-case scenario, he is, and I've said this about basically every wing on Gonzaga's roster, but he is the team's best on-ball defensive player. Nobody has that 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 spot locked up right now. Jalen Suggs had that role last year. It could be Andrew Nempard this year. It could be Hunter Salas this year. It could be Dominic Harris this year when he's healthy. Anton Watson, I, I don't count him as much because I think he's more of a trap defensive player and he's going to play a lot of the four, so he's not going to be playing around the perimeter as much, but he is obviously, when he is playing perimeter, he's going to be the team's best defensive player. But in a best case scenario for Hickman, he's that. He's that guy. We're talking about a physical six foot two guard who has above average length and a, is labeled as a guy with high basketball IQ and a lot of maturity for his age. That could make him a really, really good defensive player. Best case scenario is he is the team's best three-point shooter and best on-ball defensive player. In that situation, he's playing a lot of minutes, y'all. He's playing a lot. You cannot have a guy who's the, who's your best player at those two things and not play him close to 30 minutes per night. It, it would create some interesting situations where Gonzaga would run a lot of two-guard lineups, two-point guard lineups. They've done it before. It's not unusual for them to do it. But that's what the best case scenario is. And then, of course, at the end of the year, we're looking at a guy who's freshman All-American caliber, who's uh, and who's going to be a lottery pick in the NBA draft. The best case scenario for Nolan Hickman is at the end of the year, it's clear he's a one and done. He's going to the NBA. He's being discussed as a top 14 pick in the draft. What's the worst case scenario for Nolan Hickman? Well, he has a pretty wide spread, wider than most of the players on this roster. The worst case scenario for Nolan Hickman is that this is a development year. And it's not that bad. It's not something that should, I don't even think there are, there are really any worst case scenarios where we're deeply concerned about him. You know, I don't think there's any situation where he plays less than, say, Dominic Harris played last year, and none of us were super worried about Dom coming into this year. So there's there's not that many bad outcomes. I think the worst case scenario is that he's very clearly the point guard behind Andrew Nembhard. 
and frankly, that he's the fourth or fifth when Dominic Harris is healthy guard in the rotation, that all of Andrew Nembhard, Richard Bolton, and Hunter Salas are playing ahead of him. He's the fourth guard. It is clear. In the worst case scenario, his minutes per game is closer to 15. 15, 18, maybe some nights it's down to 12 if Gonzaga really needs Andrew Nembhard in the game. That's the worst case scenario. He's still going to be in the rotation. He's still going to be playing. When Dominic Harris comes back, if Hickman has been struggling, then I could think you could see an actual reduction in his minutes. I would be surprised if it drops below like 10 minutes per game. But there's there's a situation where that potentially happens if he's really struggling out of the shoots and Harris is back and healthy and he's, you know, starts lighting the league on fire like a lot of us expect him to do. The ways that Hickman's playing time kind of struggles throughout the year is if he's a streaky outside shooter. He's not he's not consistent enough from the outside to prevent zones. He's not consistent enough to lead the team in shooting. He's more like a 32, 34, 35% three-point shooter. And some games he's, you know, four for seven. And you're like, oh, great. He had an awesome night. He scored 16 points in 14 minutes. That's great. And some nights he goes one for six. Or he has a, a full week where he goes, you know, 0 for 9. And he, you just don't know what you're going to get out of Nolan Hickman. That's not that unusual for freshmen. So, again, I don't think it's something that's going to cause us to panic. It certainly shouldn't be something that causes us to panic. But it's the worst case scenario for him is that he cannot he cannot step into a role where he's counted on to be a bucket from beyond the arc. Beyond that, uh, the worst case scenario is that this, this maturity, this this player that we've kind of heard is like a— a floor general, a leader in that regard. He's just not there yet. He's just not quite ready to be that. Maybe his decision-making is a little suspect. He he doesn't make as many of those really good passes that you'd hope. His assist-to-turnover ratio at the end of the year is, is pretty average instead of being really, really good on a team with so many good scorers around it. And then the worst-case scenario is that defensively he's not quite ready as well. He's either getting pushed around by bigger, more physical guards or older guards who who are just more experienced with college basketball and can kind of know how to get around him, know how to take advantage of him as a, as a younger guy. Um, again, I, I don't think that there's, there's a worst case scenario that has us thinking like, what are we, what did we get ourselves into with this kid? Like, it's not going to be that. I think that it, any situation still results in us thinking, Hey, there's a good chance this guy's a two and done, you know, maybe it wasn't this year. Maybe he was the fourth guard this year, but next year he's going to step into a starting role. He's going to be the starting point guard after Nampard leaves, and he could be, you know, in the NBA the year after that. I think that's still most likely going to be a belief that a lot of people have after him. Even in the worst case scenario this year, people will probably still expect that, and I think that they probably should. All right. Best case, worst case scenario for Nolan Hickman have been discussed. We're going to come back in the third segment, talk about some more realistic scenarios, expected role, expected playing time, some numbers that we think he's going to put up this year. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, plain and simple. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors, including some all-time favorites like raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, coconut, and my personal favorite, salted caramel. Of course, Bilt Bar is not only great tasting, they are healthy too. Most Bilt Bar flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. Go to BiltBar.com now and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's BiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order. Today's episode is also sponsored by BetOnline. BetOnline is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another college football season. 
As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With the newly updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. of the way through our 12th and almost final of the 2021-2022 Gonzaga Player Preview Series. Talking all things freshman guard Nolan Hickman today. In the first segment, we talked about his player history, how he ended up decommitting from Kentucky, ending up in a Gonzaga uniform for this season. Second segment, we talked best case scenario, which includes him being a potentially lottery pick. And then worst case scenario, which includes him being the fourth or fifth guard coming off the bench, a widespread for Mr. Hickman, one of the more enigmatic players on this current roster, just because he's relatively unknown. He wasn't a guy that a lot of people had configured into their plans for what this roster was going to look like. He's not a guy we've seen a ton of up to this point. So in the third segment, I'm going to offer what I think his role is going to look like this year with the caveat that a will be in between his best and worst case scenarios, because that is typically the way that those are constructed. And also with the caveat that he's more of an unknown than a lot of the other players on the roster. So I'll say this, I believe that he is going to be the fourth guard. And I know that I labeled that as a worst case scenario for him, but I don't think that it's as bad of a scenario as it was laid out in the worst case scenario. I think I just think that Andrew Nembhard's going to start at the one, and I think Rasir Bolton and Hunter Salas are going to play a lot of minutes. I think they're going to play the two primarily, but I think we're also going to see a lot of lineups where Bolton's playing the three. I think we're going to see lineups with Nembhard and Hickman out there at the same time a lot. So even though in the worst-case scenario I said fourth guard, he's playing 12 to 15 minutes per night, I think he's going to play closer to 20, 20 to 25 minutes per night. And I think that, that what that means is he's going to play alongside Andrew Nembhard quite a bit. Now, I alluded to this earlier. Gonzaga's done this before. 2012-2013 season, Mike Hart was the starter at the three, but Gonzaga played a lot of lineups that included Kevin Pangos and David Stockton and Gary Bell all on the floor at the same time. That is smaller than Gonzaga's three-guard lineups are going to be this year. I think the biggest guy in that group is Gary Bell, and he's like 6'3". With this lineup, Nembhard, Hickman, and either Salas or Bolton, they're going to be bigger. They're going to be longer than those lineups. Gonzaga also ran a ton of two-point guard lineups with Nigel Williams-Goss and Josh Perkins during the team that went with the team that went all the way to the championship in 16-17. So this is not unheard of at all. I mean, heck, you go all the way back to 2003, I believe it was. Dan Dickow and Blake Stepp played a lot of minutes together. This has been done by Mark Few and Gonzaga a lot. So I don't think it's it's there's any situation where Andrew Nembhard's the starting point guard, Nolan Hickman's the backup point guard, and Hickman basically just plays when Nembhard's off the floor. I think Hickman's going to play the vast majority of the time that Andrew Nembhard is not on the floor, but I think they're going to share the floor a lot as well. Beyond that, I think he's going to be the team's best three-point shooter. I said that as a best-case scenario. I think there's a chance Chet challenges him for that, and I think there's a perhaps more significant chance that Julian Strother challenges him for that. And by best, I mean highest percentage. I think Julian will probably take more threes. 
And you could argue that Julian shooting, let's say, 38 percent from three on 120 attempts versus Hickman shooting 42 percent on 71 attempts. Just random numbers there. But if that's the case, you could argue that Strother is probably the better three-point shooter because he made more of them. But in my regard, I think Hickman's going to be the most efficient three-point shooter on the team. I think he's going to have a significant role as somebody who helps mitigate potential zone defenses that we might see from opposing teams. He's a guy who helps stretch the defense, which is always important when you have Chet and Drew. Either of those guys need space down low to operate. If both of them are on the floor, they both need a little bit of space to operate. The best way to give them that space is to have somebody who can knock down a deep three. Hickman, that is something he's capable of doing. I've mentioned this before. I think Andrew Nembhardt's going to take a step forward as a three-point shooter, and I think there's a chance that Hunter Salas is a good three-point shooter right out of the shoots, which would make this team very, very difficult to play against. But Hickman is my bet for the most reliable guy, at least in the guard group. And if he is that, if he takes on that role, that will earn him a significant amount of playing time. Uh, beyond that, I think he's going to be a good facilitator on offense. He's not going to be as flashy as Jalen Suggs. He's going to be a good decision maker, though. I think he's just a, a calming presence. He can handle running the point guard on this team very well. And, and Nemhard can do that, too. And I think that he's going to learn so much from him. He's already acknowledged, like, he iron shape. Iron sharpen, sharpens iron. I can't say that phrase, but Hickman can, and he did. He said that to Jim Meehan at the Spokesman Review very shortly after he committed to Gonzaga. He said, I can't wait to go up against Andrew. I can't wait to play against him, uh, to challenge him for playing time and to learn from him. And I think that that's huge because obviously you always want your older veteran guys teaching your younger guys, but Hickman's skill set already makes him a, a natural player to learn from a guy like Nembhard. He has that ability to facilitate an offense, to make the right reads, to run the plays, to kind of keep the pace, I guess, in a way. He doesn't get, he's, he, he's not going to get too frantic. He's not going to make a bunch of dumb mistakes in stressful situations. Like Nemhard's cool as a cucumber. And Gonzaga has a history of having cool as a cucumber point guard. <laughs> Kevin Pangos was one of the chillest dudes on the floor. He was just so calm. Nigel Williams Goss, we talked about him, so calm. And I think that Nemhard is another, he's in that same breed. He's that type of guy. And if Hickman can learn from him, it's hard to be like that as a freshman. That's what made Kevin so special was he was a calming presence as a true freshman. But I think if Hickman can learn from Nemhard and see the way that he presents himself, the way that he carries himself and the way that he operates the offense on this high, you know, this explosive high level athletic team in these huge games, I think that's going to be a huge learning spot for Hickman. Beyond that, I do think he's going to be a good defensive player. I think he's going to be up there with Hunter Salas as the best perimeter defensive player. I don't know that he's going to be the number one guy. I don't know that he's going to be asked to guard the bigger, more physical guards, the Alex Barcelos of the world, the Johnny Juzangs of the world. Like Those guys are probably going to be defended by either Salas or potentially Bolton or potentially Anton Watson. In certain situations, they might try to set it up that way. But I do think that he's going to be a reliable defensive player. He's got to have good hands. He's got good length. He's got good basketball IQ. So I think he's going to do some really good stuff on the defensive end as well. Beyond that, I don't think he's NBA bound this year. I don't think he's a one and done. I alluded to the fact that I think Hunter Salas could be a one and done. I, I'm less confident about that with Hickman. I think he's talented enough to be a one and done, but I just don't think he's going to do enough on the basketball court this season to jump to the NBA to make that decision. I think he's going to come back and I think he's going to do what a lot of fans are expecting him to do, which is come back for his sophomore year, be the starting point guard, you know, handle that role with Nempard gone with Salas potentially gone. He plays alongside Dominic Harris. Those are your two guards next season. 
and then he's an NBA player. Two and done is kind of the route that I think Hickman's going to take. There are some services that already have him as mocked in the first round. ESPN has continually had him as a top 25 player in the 2022 NBA draft, which is awesome. Like if that happens, that's great. That means he has an awesome season for Gonzaga. For my money, I just, I see the way the roster is constructed. I see the way that Mark View has handled rotations and treated veteran players versus freshmen in the past. And I just think that Hickman's going to, his time is next year to really pop and to really be that like lottery pick or first round talent, that kind of dude. I just think that the timeline they have him on is, is a two year plan. And so this year he learned from Nembhard. He gets to get his feet wet. He's still going to be a contributor. He's still going to be a key part of this team on both offense and defense, but his year to really blow up and be the dude and be all over the highlights and be on all the mock drafts and eventually get selected is when he's a sophomore. All right, that wraps up the 12th of our 13 player previews. Many of you probably already knew who it was. I alluded to it during the show, but our final player preview episode, which will come out tomorrow, depending on when you are listening to this, it will come out on Wednesday, is going to be about Dominic Harris. I obviously saved his because of the injury, hoping to get some updates. Uh, if we don't have any, we'll talk about <laughs> we'll talk about it the best that we can, knowing what we know about his injury and his potential timeline to return to this team. Uh, right here on the Locked On Zags podcast is where you can find that. It is available wherever you already get your podcasts and soon to be available on YouTube. Another reminder, podcast links will also be available on Twitter at Locked On Zags and on my own personal Twitter account, which can be found at ScoreZagsScore. Finally, thank you again for making this show your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your next listen the Locked On NBA podcast. You can get all your daily NBA updates from a variety of league experts while checking in on your favorite Zags playing at the next level. Thank you all for listening, and go Zags.